Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. So it's Christmas and it's official. Christmases in many, many households are going to be a lot simpler this year. They are going to be a lot smaller. And for some of you, that is going to be a good thing. And for some of you, that's going to be, well, pretty crummy. And it all really depends, in my opinion. It depends on who you're actually spending Christmas with or who you don't have to spend Christmas with. Because I think the thing is, is when we're all thrown together, for many of us, this sort of time of year can cause a lot of stress, historically, because we are sort of pulled together with maybe, let's say, friends and family that we manage to avoid for the rest of the year. But for whatever reason, Christmas has pulled us all together. And so maybe, maybe you are rejoicing and you are just thinking, do you know what? I'm pretty damn pleased that I don't have to spend Christmas with smelly old Uncle Harry or my rather toxic mother-in-law or whatever it is. And I think that's the thing is the fact that every family, it doesn't really matter, but every family has colourful characters. It's a bit like every company does and every group of people has colourful characters. But there are many of them that can induce stress and negativity. And so this podcast is all about identifying, and I've managed to identify sort of 12 toxic people to watch out for over the festive period. And if you happen to be listening to this outside the festive period, it's still going to be applicable because these people do not disappear. So first of all, the drama queen This person loves chaos. They thrive on chaos. They love the attention that it brings and that their life has got, oh my gosh, so much going on. You'll never guess what happened. And they often have many problems that sort of seem to monopolize their lives. And it it really does sort of turn into a bit of a catalogue of errors in the fact that it's trying to keep this person in the limelight. And however hard we try, do you know what? In fairness, they're not terribly interested in our solutions. They're not terribly interested in us finding the answer to to their chaos, the answer to their problems. Because, I mean, if you're anything like me, I quite like a quiet life, but I know that there are many people that do actually indeed thrive on drama. I find it absolutely exhausting. The trick is, is if you need to offer a solution, then give them the solution to a a particular problem 
and then keep your distance because otherwise you're going to get dragged down. Because once you sort of sort out one issue, then, oh, well, you're going to have to help me with this and you're going to have to help me with that. Or maybe it's just the fact that once you've found one solution, you know that they know that you are a willing participant in the drama of their life. So the trick I would suggest is find a solution and then, bless, run. Just run. The next person. The doom and gloom monger. Oh, Christmas is ruined. I mean, it's all right for you. You have this or you have that or you don't have so-and-so or you just don't understand my situation. And again, I think the thing with all these toxic people is that they are absolutely draining. But this, the doom and the gloom monger is a sort of grey pessimistic person. They're situation is, you know, sort of more needy. Their, their, their problems are bigger. Their husband has to work longer or is away from home more or, the, or their job is more demanding or, or their kids are whatever, whatever. And the thing is, it does. It, it, it seems to sort of turn into a competition. So trick is here is do not get sucked in. What I would suggest is that you try and reframe their doom and gloom. I will actually put something in the show notes, which is, is a sort of reframing exercise, which just helps helps you sort of... I, I'm a glass half full person. So, I mean, I'm very depth and I'm very good at sort of spinning things on their head you know when sort of someone sort of says oh well you'll never guess what's happened and you I managed to find the positives in many situations for you it just depends in all of these answers it depends how how much resilience you've got how brave you're feeling how well, how your own energy reserves are, because, you know, sometimes you can sort of pick people up and go, oh, now, come on, you know, let's get on with it. Or you can just, oh, for God's sake, not again. So it all depends on how you're feeling at the time. But, you know, so with the doom or gloom monger, you can either avoid them like the plague, because quite frankly, if you're not in the frame of mind of dealing with it, who'd want to? Or you can actually meet them head on. And it's no, no, never mind about that. And it's sort of, you know, so, so it's reframing and it's, it's sort of just looking at their world with a, a different set of, through a different lens. I often say that people who are toxic or who are struggling or who are dreary and drainers, they are looking at the world through a sort of rather black and white and grey sort of you know, lens. So I, I sort of say, well, let, let's change that to Technicolor. And let's start sort of looking on the bright side. So it, it's quite easy to do that if you are in the right frame of mind. If you're not, mm, protect yourself. Number three, the Time Lord. This actually is a real bugbear of mine. This is sort of people that bleed into your day. People who suck the living daylights out of you, who are bleeding you dry, who might turn up late for appointments, might not sort of do something when they say they're going to do it. 
you know, just or, or might want to, oh, can you just help me with this? And and basically are a drain on your time. They somehow don't have the respect that your time is as precious as, as theirs. And with Christmas, I mean, it's a pretty busy time of year. So this is a real hard one for, you know, oh, could you just do this for me? Or I just need you to help me out with this. Or, or oh, you'll never guess what, you know, arriving 20 minutes later, you know, I lost my phone or the traffic was awful or, oh, well, the kids needed this. So I left 10 minutes late. And yes, if you are kind and charitable and, and you know, sort of able to put up with it, that's absolutely fine. But the trick for this one is to establish boundaries. You know, recently I was kept waiting, you know, again. And I just decided, do you know what? I'm not going to push this meeting back to, to accommodate the lateness. I just sort of said, no, I'm, you know, we're, we're still going to have to um, finish at the, the normal time because I've got other stuff to do. And it's, oh, oh, right. Oh, oh okay. And, you know, wh- whether or not it's sort of friends who bleed you dry or whether or not it's sort of clients who just expect you to dance to their tune or whatever it is. I think the thing is, is once we start establishing boundaries, yeah, okay, it might put someone's nose out of joint. We'll suck it up because, you know, it's, I think when people sort of, when they drain your time, to me, it's actually quite disrespectful. So uh, I'm learning fast about boundaries. And so maybe, maybe that might help with you. Number four, Mr. or Mrs. Always right. They railroad you with their opinions. These people are basically on send and not receive. So they're really not interested in what you've got to say at all. They just want to, um, they talk with intention of being heard and don't really listen to your point of view and are waiting to sort of, you know, planning what their next sort of comment is going to be without even listening to, you know, what you're saying. So they're pretty bad communicators and pretty bad listeners. So the trick here, what I have learned, I've got a couple of friends who are quite good at this. And so I just, I've got to the stage now where I just nod and I just sort of withdraw and I've, I've stopped, I've stopped trying to compete. I initially used to get really cross and the, you know, why is it always, you know, sort of them dumping their sort of opinions and their woes and their whatever. And now I just sort of try and see the funny side of it. And and it's a bit like, well, you know, I wonder, I had a conversation with a friend just recently who didn't, I mean, literally didn't draw breath for, we were together for, this was a while when we were allowed to have, you know, meet together and have lunch. And I don't think she asked me one question. And I sort of rather than get cross, I sort of now just, play a little bit of a game and sort of see how, how long it's going to take. Do you know what? Take the plank out of your own eye. I, I, I try and sort of treat a lot of this with compassion, but, but I, I'll sort of discuss that sort of a bit later. But I've learned now to stop trying to compete with airtime, with the, you know, trying to keep, compete for airtime. Because even if you do manage to start speaking, in all fairness, Mr. or Mrs. always right, it's not really interested in what you've got to say anyway. Sad, but true. Number five, the worrywart. Oh, 
What happens if the turkey isn't delivered? What happens if I burn the turkey? What happens if there aren't enough sprouts? What happens? What happens? What happens if someone gets COVID? What happens if the vaccine doesn't work? What happens if Santa doesn't arrive? What happens if, what happens if, God, it's exhausting, isn't it? And the thing is that the majority of the time, the worry wart is worrying about things that never even happen. The worry wart is a bit of a fun sponge. The worry wart actually focuses on stuff that the majority of the time is outside of their control and they're fretting on what might not even happen. What I do suggest, and the trick here is, is to distance yourself. Why? Because worrying is contagious and it is also exceptionally destructive. So again, if you want to reframe, brilliant, but Focus on the things, come on, I mean, we've learned this through 2020. Focus on the things that bring you joy. Focus on the things that you can control. I mean, two Christmases ago, I remember standing there watching two women fight over a bag of sprouts. And I just thought, do you know, really, is this what your Christmas has come to? Probably they don't even, you know, one, statistically speaking, one of them probably doesn't even like sprouts. But I just remember watching it and thinking, this just, this isn't necessary. And we worry about creating the perfect Christmas. We worry about creating, sort of papering over the cracks and what happens if this doesn't happen and what happens if and worry, worry, worry. And I think the thing is, especially, we do not know what's around the corner. So let's just enjoy now. And let's not worry about whether or not we've got enough gin left over for New Year or whether or not the government's going to say X, Y and Z. We can only, many, many things are beyond our control. So let us just focus on those things that we can control and focus on those things that do indeed make us happy. Number six, the victim. Oh, it's just so unfair. You just don't understand. It's just so unfair. Why do people always make me feel like this? Why has it all turned out like this? And I think the thing is with the victim, they're very, very good at blaming others. They're very good at not really taking responsibility. The victim is a master of manipulation, and they manage somehow to get their own way by playing the sympathy card. So the trick here is, dare I say it, call their bluff. Play them at their own game. Because actually, in my opinion, I'm not very good with victims. I'm not very good with people who do not take responsibility of A, their own lives or B, their own actions. So, you know, I don't know, someone might be complaining about, oh, you don't understand that I'm all on my own for Christmas. Well, yeah, okay, Yeah, maybe that you have found yourself in that situation for whatever reason. But you don't actually have to feel sorry for yourself. Why not? you know, sort of help them, I sort of find the brighter side. Well, my God, you can stay in your jammies all day or why don't you go? I mean, I know someone who found that she was, her kids were going to her ex and so she found that due to COVID, she was going to be on her own for Christmas and thought, well, bugger that, I'm not going to do this. And so she's booked herself into a five-star hotel and, and is just going to pamper herself. Hurrah! 
and get room service whenever she wants and can call the shots and can watch the movies that she wants and can drink, I don't know, too much Prosecco or not enough Prosecco or whatever she blimmin' well wants to do. But I think the thing is, is that victims are very, very good at blaming others, passing responsibility over and just sort of, you know, going on a pity party. So I would suggest again, again, a lot of this depends on how strong you're feeling. Maybe you just want to put your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 la. And, you know, just, oh, give me a break. But if you are feeling as though, no, I want to help this person out. I just, you know, I, I get it. Then just call their bluff. Give them opportunities to do something else. Give them opportunities to think slightly differently and allow them the opportunity. Oh, my gosh. To get back in control of their own life. Number seven, which actually is a bit like the victim, but number seven is the drainer and complainer. We have many people that we come across in life. Maybe you're they're in your family, maybe they're in your social circle, maybe they you know them through work, that are drainers who are exhausting and they complain. Now, I, call, I, I put people into two camps. I call them the drainers or the radiators. The radiators are the ones that are glowing fun and positivity and, and, and bring sort of happiness and joy. And then there, there are drainers. It's sort of the total opposite. And I would suggest that the trick here is to disconnect from them. Because who wants the drainers in our lives? especially over Christmas, when we've had a pretty crappy year and all we want to do is let our hair down and just for however many days or however many hours, we are allowed to, do you know what, kick off our shoes, have some fun and just celebrate whatever we want to celebrate. It might be Christmas, it might be the holidays, it might be nothing, it might be solitude, it might be the very fact that everywhere's shut again. It might, do you know what, you know, it's, so it's, it's looking on the bright side. If you're an introvert, maybe you're quite enjoying this. And if you're an extrovert, you are struggling. I get it. But it's a matter of finding how you can recharge your batteries to put you in a better frame of mind. Find out where your joy comes from. Find out where your positivity comes from. And if you can throw a bit of that in the direction of the drainer or the complainer, or if not, just disconnect from them because we do not need all this toxicity. I think the thing is, is it, it, the, my point here is do not be the victim. Do not be the victim because you can do something about it. You can create your own boundaries. So if you feel someone, it, you know, when we sometimes feel, I, I have sort of, friends and colleagues who I just think, oh, Lordy, here we go. And and by the end of the conversation, you just feel as though someone's sort of taking the plug out and you, you, you're just exhausted. Then try and protect yourself and disconnect from this, especially over the festive period. Number eight, the naysayer and the hater. Mm, big toxic one here. And I think many families have sort of some of these people they might be very good at eroding your confidence, draining your batteries again, um, criticizing you maybe, doing their level best to bring you down. Are you really going to wear that? Oh, are you? do you really need to eat that? And I think the thing is, is what those sort of comments are sort of saying is 
do you know, I wish I could do what you're doing, but I've got my own shit going on and I can't. And so a lot, like many of the these sort of toxic people, we have to remember that they have their own insecurities. So the trick here is to rally support from positive people. Keep your keep your um, you know circle of friends. Keep the circle close to you. So if you are going to be in the um, in the company of a naysayer and a hater, don't sit with them on you know if you can avoid them at the christmas table or not sit next to them so much the better but it's rally rally or rally support from positive people people who love you and support you and have your best interest because we don't need people that bring us down we don't you know what what is the point and and if you can't avoid them don't blimmin listen absolutely just Look at them with a fresh pair of eyes and think, do you know what? This isn't my shit. It's yours. And smile sweetly at them and just, you know, my, my darling husband's very good at this. In a, in a very matter-of-fact deadpan way, he just goes, thank you for sharing that, which basically means shut up. You know, I don't really want to hear anymore. But he says it with a look on his face that basically implies that the conversation is now over. I haven't managed to perfect that myself. I usually sound quite bitchy, but Mike's an absolute past master at it. And um, yeah, give it a whirl. See if it works. Number nine, the petulant child. And I don't actually just mean the toddler sitting in the, in the um, high chair throwing Christmas pudding at everyone. The petulant child is someone who is prone to tantrums and childish outbursts. Um, gosh, I remember one particular Christmas, a cousin of mine was particularly good at this um and just you know what sort of dampened the whole proceedings sort of it, it was a, a a a way of trying to draw attention to self and there was lots of sulking and there was lots of tantrums and um it was just you know brought the whole mood down um and it is i suppose it's a bit like a, being a drama queen but it's it's it goes a little bit deeper than that and these people are very, very hard to reason with, and they are also um, very irrational sometimes. So the trick here is, is to withdraw from the conversation. Do not give this person airtime, because once they have centre stage, once they realise that their tantrum, and they are like a petulant child, once they realise that their childish outbursts are getting the airtime that they need, then... Um, they are, you know, centre stage and, and will continue to behave like this. So withdraw from the conversation and do not, yeah, just just don't engage. I think that's the thing because when the, a petulant child is often looking for confrontation. So I would say here is to stay calm and withdraw. If you can move to another room, brilliant. If you can pick up a paper or a phone or whatever just to sort of you know get you get your attention elsewhere but just switch off um and don't allow them to basically trample all over your boundaries number 10 mm, this is a dangerous one this is the gossip monger um whether or not you are able to have Christmas parties or whether or not you're not, whether or not you are able to have many people around the Christmas table or whether or not you are not. This person is very good at um, 
Well, really, I think the thing is, is what they're really looking for is acceptance and recognition. So what they tend to do is spread rumours or um, maliciousness about other people. And um, it's the sort of, oh, have you heard? Or the, you know, they're, they're just trying to dine out maybe on someone else's misery just to sort of make themselves feel slightly better about themselves. Um, the worst thing is, is about a gossip monger that they tend to start sort of spouting. They tend to start spreading rumors or or toxicity or whatever. And and I've, I've been privy to this in that... Um, by by sort of standing up to them, they sort of go, oh, don't be so sensitive, and they sort of get very defensive. But if you tend not to, um, you know, if, if you remain silent, then they actually tend to view this silence as agreement. Because I remember being at a conversation and someone was having a, a real good old gossip. It was very toxic. And then she turned around and, and she had said the same to me two days previously. And then we were, you know, we were in this, she was brought the conversation up again with other company. And she went, well, you see, Kai agrees with me. And it was, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Hang on a minute. So I think the thing is, you have to be very careful that, um, you know, what I've learned now is I just shut down a conversation and just sort of going, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to discuss this. And, and it might sound very do-goodery, which is fine. Um, it might sound sort of rather sanctimonious, but I have learned that actually if you don't stand up to it, the gossip monger can often mis misinterpret um, the, you know, the fact that you're not sort of... Um, holding them to task and and they think that you're in agreement somehow um and i have also been misquoted so i have now learned to not even not even try and give an a, a counter argument i've just no 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 not discussing this not discussing this because now people have learned that i don't discuss you know i, I don't gossip so now what at the time that i was misquoted it sort of seems less credible, if that makes sense. So watch out for a gossip monger. Just, you know, they, they will distort what you're saying. So pull out of that conversation as quickly as you can. And, and even just sort of say, do you know what? I think this is a conversation for another day or whatever it is, but try and shut it down because gossip is mean and it's poisonous. It's not necessary. Oh, number 11, the social leapfrogger or social climber, whatever you want to call them. Um, maybe you, maybe because we're having a quieter Christmas, you might not be privy to this at the minute because, you know, there are fewer parties going on and stuff. But if you're listening to this post-Christmas, if you're listening to this, you know, a lot later on, you'll know the social leapfrogger. You, you, you'll remember them. Um, people who are trying to get... They... they they sort of get into friendship with you because they know they're going to gain something. Whether or not they're looking for a favour, whether or not they're wanting to sort of meet your friends or nick your friends. Blimey, even that sounds so playground, doesn't it? Um, but I, I have, I have, over my 56 or however many years, um, I have come across many social climbers who just sort of want to just... Nick your friends, which is fine, you know. Um, 
but it's it's a matter of does this bother you or or is it their own insecurities or you know i i've 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 had friends who you know make friends and then drop you as soon as the favor's been met that's fine you know okay that's that's the way some people operate it might bother you it might not it used to worry me a lot and now it doesn't bother me so much but you know those people that are looking for favors are looking to get something from you where their intentions are not really as honorable as you'd hoped here the trick is is to learn to say no if it bothers you learn learn to maintain some boundaries learn to um stand up for yourself or Maybe sometimes just have a little bit of a giggle and just see how far they go. Because um, a friend of my mum's, and she's 80, she's got um, a particular couple who just sort of leapfrog from having new best friends every six months to a year. And it's the sort of, they, they now laugh and go, who's the chosen one this year? But that's not discounting the fact that it can actually be quite hurtful. So, um just you know just be be mindful of it and 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 understand that this is actually nothing to do with you it's it's their insecurities and their need to to keep moving forward or to get the favor that they need or whatever so yeah it's not about you and finally number 12 the judger the one that criticizes you the one that hurts you the one that undermines you the one who actually doesn't have terribly much self-esteem themselves, the one that um, has their own inadequacies. And what they tend to do is they tend to question your judgment and they judge you. Oh, why aren't you wearing a mask? Oh, why are you wearing a mask? Oh, well, why are you wearing that? Oh, are you still in that job? Oh, you're not inviting so-and-so, are you? Are you really eating that? You know, and it goes on and on. And I think the thing is, is that are you still single? Are you? Flip. And I think the thing is, is we, again, we have to remember that this is nothing to do with you. It's other people's inadequacies and it's it's that sort of and whether or not the thing is is that a lot of this a lot of um what i've discussed we we can it depends how you look at it we could call it gaslighting we could call it passive aggressive behavior so it's it it can be you know what living and operating and whatever with toxic people is is can be very disruptive very draining and um it can affect your mental health it can you know so it it it's something that we do need to be mindful of but what i do suggest is that you hold up a mirror to that person because it's it's in I, I I'm an NLP master practitioner and we call it sort of well there's a number of ways of looking at it. It's a matter of respecting the model, you know, someone else's model of the world. And what that means is walk a mile in their shoes. What are they experiencing? What's annoying them? What are they scared of? What are they worried about? What are their fears? What are their triggers? Because this is all, and this is another sort of NLP phrase, it's perception is projection. And it's looking at someone and holding a mirror up to them and as if to say, what's going on here? Because it's important not to allow this behavior to erode your own self-esteem and to erode your confidence because it isn't really anything to do with you. But... 
I do have a phrase which uh, uh, I use a formula a lot, which is called E plus R equals O. And what this is, is that the event, which is in this case, someone else's behavior, someone else's comments, someone else's toxicity is not likely to change terribly much. But what you can change is the R, E plus R equals O. The R is your response. And by changing the response, you get a better O, which is the outcome. And so what I say, I, I, I do say a lot, we are all here. We all want to be loved, understood and respected. But the big one here is by just treating these toxic people, yes, I know they drive us bonkers. Yes, we probably don't want them sort of at the Christmas table. We probably don't want them in our social circles. We don't want them in our family. But for whatever reason, we all come across toxic people. Um, and so let's just look at them with the compassion that they might need. I mean, we always sort of say, you know, a, a badly behaved child needs your love more than ever now, you know, when, when they're behaving badly, they need your love and understanding. And this is what a toxic person does. I'm not saying condone their behavior, uh -uh, absolutely no way. But it's it actually helps your own mental health when you look at their behavior and going, what's their shit that's going on here? And when you start understanding someone else, you are able to better understand their behavior. And that is less damaging for you. Whether or not you want to call it forgiveness, whether or not you want to call it compassion, I call it also self-care. And it's a matter of distancing yourself, removing yourself from the equation to the extent of, oh my gosh, they're having a rant. Oh my gosh, this is, you know, they're, they're, judging me or they're saying this or they're saying that or their behavior is totally inexcusable but it's nothing to do with me and that's okay and let them just get it out of their system and even if you need to protect yourself in a bubble even if you need to um, you know, even if you just need to just try and zone out or look after yourself or whatever works for you. But I sometimes just hold, I hold a sort of a mirror up so that what happens is all the negativity gets straight, bounced straight back at them. And so it doesn't have to eat in to me. It doesn't have to drain my batteries. It doesn't have to sort of, you know, pull down on my reserves. This is easier said than done whilst I'm sitting in a podcast studio. I get that. You know, when you're tired, when you're shattered, when all you want to do is put your feet up and someone comes up and sort of makes a caustic comment, it's not fair. But maybe E plus R equals O, rather than react and respond unnecessarily. Why not just, oh, hang on a minute, where's this coming from? Because it's nothing to do with me. And finally, just have a think, because a lot of this behavior is, as I said, from someone else's insecurities, their sadnesses, their worries, their whatever, the background of what, what's going on with them. Just have a think. It might not even be intentional. They might not be setting out to upset you. So just maybe rather than retaliating, sit back and remember, we all want to be loved, 
understood and respected. And if we could just understand, oh, do you know what? They've had a bad day or they're lonely or they're scared or they're worried or they've got blah, 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 blah going on, then that might just maybe calm the oil on troubled waters. Anyway, I'm sending you much, much love. And at time of going to record, I wish you all a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas and a safe and happy 2021. Much love. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.